the studios are looking at those box office numbers. If they are trending downwards for all three movies, then they're going to, if at a $200 million, $200 million budget, they're going to start wondering if this is what we are expecting every time we front this cash to make this movie. So either there's a big fucking spider that just showed up. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. Well, we have a cold open. <laughs> Hold on. It came down from the ceiling, and it's, like, really right in front of my face. Wait, no, pick so, it up. Show us how big. That was, that was like, the guy in in, uh, in Bill and Ted in the medieval times when he, they ride in the, the village. They came out of the sky. They fell from the sky. He had, he had fire in his eyes. Oh, that was that was great. Yeah, we, like I said, we have a cold open now. <laughs> Okay, crisis averted. It wasn't, like, huge, but it, it literally just came down, like, right here. Like, that's not something I'm, I'm, I'm like, what am I catching out of my peripheral vision? Oh, it's a fucking spider. No, go away. It was a daddy long legs, and he's just freaking out. I'm, does, uh, yeah, I don't care what spider it is. It's going in the toilet. I, like, I'm squishing the I, fucker thing and flushing them. I let them stay around. They eat the ants. I'm sure there's plenty of spiders that I don't know about, but the ones I see are well, going away. They say you're never more than six feet away from a spider. That's great. That's that's, okay. the, that's the absolute truth. They say that's the like. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this shit up. They say you are he, literally never more than six fi- feet away. He's not going to finish the episode if you keep. Telling What's he going to do? Where's he going to go? That he's going to get six feet away from a spider. It just means we're going to wrap the episode up in five minutes, and I'm going to go hunt for spiders <laughs> and then go to bed. He's just going to burn everything, the entire planet. He's going to just burn it and be like, where's the he's spiders now? No, so, okay, so, the, <laughs> did you ever see the, the, the video game, Mike, Kill It With Fire? Yeah. It scares the shit out of me. It's it's cartoon spiders. <laughs> I can't, it scares the crap out of me. So Resident Evil must have really fucked with you then. When you get into the yeah, sewer with, and there's with, those like human-sized spiders, yeah, Ugh. that that Ugh. was such a Ron Weasley move, though, that it's completely apropos <laughs> for all of this. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone whose magic lasts more than a minute, Josh Dorch. Oh, the ladies can attest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my next guest has a franchise made about his magical powers. I'm pretty sure it's called Magical Mike. Mike Bradley. I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> ma- magical Wait, was it Magic Mike? Mike? Ma- magic Mike, magic right? Mike. Is that- yes. So you're suggesting I strip and, get- and women want to pay to see me naked? Oh, is that what that movie's about? I didn't know that. See? I, I mean, more power to them if they do. Um, good good for them. Good good for me, actually. What the hell? I'm glad I got you on the back foot on this one. That makes me excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had an idea. I had something planned in my head where I was going to be like, oh, yeah, let's do a fun intro or some shit like that. And then you throw this shit at me. And I'm like, <laughs> well, what the? Great f- success. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm the Channing Tatum of the group. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hold, <laughs> we'll get you a banner made and everything. 
I, I mean, that's my um, first that's T-shirt. The, that's the new, the new <laughs> title that's going to appear on just your like your webcam video because no one will ever see it since we don't do it. So I mean, is it? Your little title will be the Channing Tatum of Bright Guy and Super Friends. Is that'll anyone be, else just, just picturing like the 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 Chris Farley uh, Chippendales sketch? <laughs> hey, like, fuck you. That's that's that's, that's what I'm getting in my head. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm assuming he's the Patrick Swayze. Oh, there, yeah, okay. yeah, there you yeah go. exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I am the Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I fully expect from now on you don't have to think of any other intros for me. Just the Channing Tatum of the group. <laughs> Channing Tatum. That, that's that's, that's my permanent uh, intro from now on. Yeah, we can see if that comes back around. Doubt it. <laughs> I I am I am in control. Um, all right. So as promised, uh, we're here to talk about the latest movie in the Wizarding Wizarding World. Uh, which is Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. This is the third movie out of the Fantastic Beasts series, which in itself is a prequel series to the Harry Potter movies and books. Uh, Warner Brothers had originally said the Fantastic Beasts series would be five movies, so this is smack dab in the middle of that series. This is movie number three. Uh, as a refresher, movie one is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, released in 2016, followed by Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, which was in 2018. And now we've got this one, Secrets of Dumbledore, in 2022. Did either of you, Josh, I think I know the answer for you, Mike, I don't know. We'll start with you, Mike. Did you rewatch the other two movies in the series before seeing this one or no? Yeah. Uh, um, okay. I, I didn't rewatch them like right right before. I kind of rewatched when the, I guess the final trailer for this came out was when I had rewatched the two movies. It kind of like struck that nerve like, oh man, I want to watch them again. Okay. And so that that was when the latest rewatch happened. It was not my first rewatch of these movies um, since they did came you, out before this. Did you like the other two any more or less with the rewatches, the, the recent rewatches? Um, I still have just as much appreciation for the first one. Um, and the second one still kind of felt about the same about it. You okay. know, like it didn't it, like a rewatch did not improve my feeling about the second one or decrease okay. it didn't make it worse gotcha uh josh same question did you rewatch and did you like them any more or less after the rewatch uh so i definitely intended to and i did get the first one in um and according to my letterboxd diary uh i saw dumbledore on the 14th and then i got back to grindelwald on the 16th so i did get there just didn't get it in right before um yeah, for both of them, I, I've always had a pretty positive view of the first one. Um, I think it becomes more enchanting and more charming each time. Okay. Um, and for me, Grindelwald keeps improving with each rewatch, which hasn't been immense. Like, I could swallow a Harry Potter movie any day. <laughs> That's what um, she said? Yeah, th th there was a lot there. <laughs> the term swallow is a dangerous one, man. Yeah. yeah be careful with that. Uh, you're presuming I didn't use it deliberately. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, with, with these two, it's it's a, it's a more of a deliberate choice at any given time. Um, but I think I've seen Grindelwald four, maybe four times now in th over, you know, about three and a half years. And okay. so I, for me, it improves each time. Okay. Um, I did not rewatch anything. I was telling these guys before we started, I have only seen all of these movies, including this one once in the theater. I've never rewatched any of them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I almost probably should have watched them. Cause I feel like I needed a refresher coming into this one. Cause like this movie just kind of hits the ground and running and I'm just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? And I, I 
at the very least need someone to explain this stuff to me as we go. Yeah. Um, it, so it does yeah, I can't I can't attest to like if if my feelings change because I didn't get a chance to watch them. That's fair, and I would think that out of uh, having re-listened to our discussions about the first two movies recently, I realized that I, I think there's really not any sort of like, hey, let's go to school and tell Brian about a whole bunch of stuff that he doesn't know in order yeah. to understand background with this one as we did on the first two. Um, yeah. We spent like significant chunks of conversation time on the first two movies yeah contextualizing things um and and bringing up other pieces of history and lore and, and story all you know elements all that in order to discuss reactions and possibilities and feelings about such and such i don't know that we really need that this time around uh yeah. that's my feeling mike what do, what do you think i i didn't you know i I didn't, I didn't see it through that lens this time um. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll talk more about it once we open up for spoilers because mm-hmm. there's a lot I have to say about that particular idea. Um. But in terms of you know the amount of information that Brian would need to understand what's happening, I think you know after having seen this, there's a lot more stuff laid out for you than ever before. As yeah, somebody and, and that you're... you know maybe didn't read the books. You know, Correct. Yeah, like, I'd say your 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 reliance on previous information that didn't come from movies is very minimal for this one. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right, so we'll talk a little bit generally about some stuff about the movies, and then we'll get into our specific stuff. So the Fantastic Beast series, David Yates, who directed the first, the final, sorry, not the first, the final four Harry Potter movies, was signed on to direct all five Fantastic Beast movies. So he is. Again, here to direct this one, uh, the movies in the Fantastic Beasts series have also had the same writer, which is actually Harry Potter creator J.K. Rowling. Uh, on this movie, there is a second writer as well, Steve Cloves, who helped write the majority of the Harry Potter movies as well. So they're bringing in some backup, I guess, for this one. Yes, which is he's interesting. like the screenwriter. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. He's when, and yeah. It's interesting in this one because if you look at the credits, even on the movie, it says screenplay... J.K. Rowling, Steve Cloves, based on screenplay by J.K. Rowling. Not, n- normally it's like a story credit versus right. a screenplay credit. And it was, I guess, he did enough significant rewrite work that the initial draft that she had, that's why she's credited on both in that way. That like she wrote the original draft screenplay, but the two of them together you know, had enough uh, team input on the final sort of shooting script, final product. Um, I think it's rare that you see that. Yeah, which even just kind of confuses me, because you figure if the two of them actually tag-teamed a screenplay, why not, why list the screenplay twice? Like, you're not listing, it doesn't matter how many drafts you had, you should just be able to list the final screenplay and say, this is it. I'm sure it probably has to do with, like, Writer's Guild type of things. Yeah, which, yeah, those rules always boggle my mind like i can't ever figure them out why this works this way and why it doesn't work the other way like i whatever yeah i mean and, and it's pro- it probably happens more than we realize but it's it sounds unique in this way because one of the two people is credited on both you yeah. know it's normally a i think this happens a lot where you get um international adaptations of another culture or another country's movie 
Yeah. Right. So a, a, a Danish movie gets remade in America. So it's the American version based on the screenplay by so-and-so who made the Danish version, who wrote for the, or that. But then you have the, you know, quote, American screenwriters. Right. Credited on that screenplay. It's just u- unique in this case. And then you've got this movie that wasn't even allowed to be shown in how many countries? The, the, Probably. Uh, it was China, Saudi Arabia, a lot of the Middle East just refused to show it. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. So that, that, that'll affect the box office numbers, which I bet Brian has which, queued up next. Yeah, we'll be getting to very quickly here. Uh, <laughs> the film stars Eddie, Ray, Eddie Redmayne, Jude Law, Mads Mikkelsen, who is replacing Johnny Depp in this movie. Uh, Ezra Miller comes back. Allison Sudeau. I think is how you say her name. Uh, Dan Fogler, Callum Turner, and Catherine Waterston is briefly in the movie. Spoilers. Um, she's listed in the credits. She's she's in there. Give it the briefly not... part. Spoiler. I'll I'll cut that later. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the ratings uh, for the movies. I'm I'm gonna go through them all so that we have for just for comparison's sake. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the first movie in the series. Rotten Tomato rating critic has it at 74%, audience at 79%. Uh, the Metacritic score has a meta score of 66, a user score of 7.2. Pretty consistent. For the second movie in the franchise, Crimes of Grindelwald, it was Rotten Tomatoes ratings critic of 36%, audience Ooh. at 54%. Uh, meta score at 52, user score 5.7. So those are pretty consistent there. Critic and audience, there's a little bit more of a divide there. Wow. Um, and then for Secrets of Dumbledore, critic score for Rotten Tomatoes, 47%. Audience score, 84%. Which wow, could okay. just be because it's new and there's not as many reviews out right now as compared to what some of these other guys have. So that did could it, fluctuate on a daily basis. But Did it say how many? Usually when you pull up Rotten Tomatoes, it tells you like a number of reviews. Like how many. So I just wrote down this score. I don't actually have the website open currently to check. Um, I can up. try to come back to that. Okay. Um, the meta score for Secrets of Dumbledore, meta score 47, user score 6.3. So 47 so, was the meta score? Yeah. And then user score 6.3. So, I, I, it seems like Dumbledore's coming in a little bit middle of the pack compared to all of the three of them. Looks like... Like, Grindelwald definitely comes in as the lowest, I think, reviewed. Looks like 2,500 plus reviews is what they have for... Secrets of Rotten Tomatoes? For Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Okay. And for comparison, Fantastic Beasts has 50,000. So yes, that that could easily shift a little bit. So over the next couple weeks, yeah, those numbers could change. 20 times the number of reviews. So at least currently, what, it's been a, what, week and a half, two weeks? Two weeks. Two it, weeks yeah. since yeah. release. So that's kind of where we're at two weeks out. Um, and this is, again, the next stuff we'll, we'll get into maybe more and loop back to it with our, our spoiler discussion and stuff like that. But the uh, box office and budgets for the three movies as well. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Budget came in at $180 million. Uh, it opened domestically at $74 million. The domestic total... 234 million ended with a worldwide total of 814 million for Fantastic Beast 1. Uh Crimes of Grindelwald, the budget went up 20 million dollars, so it's at 200 million dollars. Opened domestically 62 million, 
The domestic total was 160 million. Worldwide total, 655 million, which is about 150-ish less than what Fantastic Beast 1 did. Still making, you know, with marketing and everything, since they say marketing's double the budget. Yeah. You're still making 200 million off of that. So uh, and so Secrets of Dumbledore, as of right now, the the I, it, Box Office Mojo, which is normally where I get all my stats, does not list a budget there, so I just went to Google. Google told me the budget for Secrets of Dumbledore was $200 million, which is the same as Grindelwald. And I, I saw that across a couple of the results looking for it myself, okay. so I think that's reliable enough for now. Okay. Uh, domestic opening for Secrets of Dumbledore was $42 million, which is less than all three. Uh, again, this is only two weeks after release, but current domestic total is $70 million, and the current worldwide total is $283 million. So, it seems like it's on pace to be the worst out of all of them. Like, I could I could see the movie getting a little bit more worldwide and some of those totals coming up, but the thing to keep in mind is that next week, Doctor Strange comes out, which is definitely going to eat into some of those box office numbers for, crimes, or for uh, Secrets of Dumbledore. So at this point, I think it could be a struggle to hit four hundred million dollars total. Yeah, and it came out and Easter I mean, summer... weekend too. That's something to keep in mind. It was a holiday weekend release. Yeah, so that and I mean should be you know like we talked about too with some of the the international markets not getting the movie that could eat into those box office returns too. So that could be yeah. a, a big thing because the, the the first two did release in China and and this one did not. Yeah. So. so in in re-listening to our Crimes of Grindelwald uh, episode, I had shared similar information and at the time had remarked that Grindelwald had the worst opening weekend of any Wizarding World movie, Harry Potter or Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. So that now means Dumbledore. Yeah, it just... Yay, we've crowned a new king for the definitely, worst ever. Definitely has it. it. You know, it dropped... By a third. Yeah, that was you the know, headlines after what opening weekend, even even into weekend two, I think, was this is the worst opening Harry Potter movie ever. Ever, yeah. Had, had they just released it eight months earlier, they could have blamed it on COVID and <laughs> got away with it. I, they can't get away with that anymore. Yeah. I feel like that excuse is kind of gone. True, and I, I think, I mean, I wonder, like, with the summer summer movie schedule, because this was originally, like, as of last year, they were saying this was going to be a July release. And then, yeah. like, September or October, they said, nope, we're bumping it up to April. Um, looking at how the landscape has changed over the last couple of years, you figure, like, Memorial Day weekend, you have Maverick opening. You have yeah. Jurassic Park in June. You have Thor in July. Harry Potter movies are typically, I think Prisoner of Azkaban was June, but any other summer release was was July. So... I mean, if they're looking at things like where could we fit in and maybe have the the most impact, you know, maybe things would have been worse. I mean, at the time they released, it would have it gave them like a three to four week head start before Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. Which I think was pretty good for them. I think that's a good place to land. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, they they weren't. You know, there's they nothing have, else really on the field. Yeah, like Morbius was the only other thing really that could have been out there, and that was not very well received so by the time yeah, this came out here. it's not really overlapping markets in, in a lot of ways yeah, yeah the i mean the domestic 
the worldwide overall, yeah, is really lacking. I after two whole weeks, the domestic only being at like still under seventy. I think it's, it's right at seventy right now. Yeah, seventy point three uh, is what I'm looking it's, at. It's disheartening. Yeah. So well, like I said, there's a chance it's gonna come up some more. I'm sure it's going to end its total a little bit higher. What I'm curious about is if it's going to hit 400 million. Like, I feel like uh, that might not be attainable right now. And supposedly, like we said earlier, that's that break-even number for a $200 million budget. Yeah. But So that, that's that's going to be a talking point for later, whether, you know, at, once we get into how we feel about the movie, maybe we'll loop back around to uh, some of the box office for this one and, and sure. try to predict maybe going forward. Uh, but before we get to spoilers, any general thoughts you guys want to get out of the way before we throw the spoiler alert out there? I'll go first, since I'm sure Josh might have more. I'm sure he'll have more to say in general about all <laughs> this than I will. I, I have a lot to say, but I'm going to try and truncate it. Um, so for you spoiler-free folks that haven't seen the movie yet, um, it, this is better than the last movie. It is more entertaining than the last movie, but it's not going to scratch that Harry Potter itch the way that maybe Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them did, um, or the Harry Potter movies, of course, did. Um, I feel like that first movie scratched that itch that you wanted it to fill, and these last two just haven't. Um, so I, I think this is an improvement but it's not back to where I would hope it would be. Uh, Josh, what do you think? I I've compose your thoughts. So I, I I I saw it opening opening night. We went we went Thursday night, um, and then I I actually went back to the theater yesterday to to make sure that I I could see it again. Before so you did see it twice. I did, yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm glad I did. I, I I'm glad I did. Um, I'm. I, I, re, and re-listening to our discussion about Crimes of Grindelwald, especially. I can easily, easily, especially you know, three years later, I could pick up how much I potentially just like become a unapologetic like defender of things um because i want them i want them to be good and if i if i feel that there's an objective you know mood about it that people aren't liking it or if i you know it it didn't do everything that i wanted it to or or i didn't enjoy it as much as i wanted to and I'm worried that that could, you know, put the overall feeling about it in jeopardy. Or in a case like this, there may be serious talk about the studio not finishing this. And so anything negative that I potentially put out or anything non-glowing, um, I, I worry that that will exacerbate that. Yeah. Um, And so, but I also have to realize that, like, you know, and I, I, unfortunately, I'm sorry that, you know, Brian, for you, that this is kind of the metaphor, but I, 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 I really don't, I don't want to be the one person, like, going to my grave, defending Rise of Skywalker, 
if Brian something doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't. I don't. But I, I don't I, defend it. No, I feel bad that it conjures up bad <laughs> yeah, feelings I, I didn't for think him. So. Um, when there might be just you know things that are just pretty un yeah, art is in the eye of the beholder. You know all that, but um, it's been hard to figure out how to get my head around all of this and and still hopefully end up seeming in a favorable place in order to hopefully support the future of something that I enjoy so much. Yeah, it's a bit of a catch-22, right? Like, you're allowed to not like some of this stuff. Like, some of it can be objectively bad, and that's fine. But you're also, for a fan of the franchise, hoping that they pivot from there and give you something that you're going to enjoy going forward. And and not just for me, because it's not just... I'm not commissioning this. Right. If 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 the general mood... You know, if we're, if we're talking about box office returns doesn't matter what this is it's a it's it's a it's a money game for everybody yeah. else except us it's a money game so if there's anything that goes out that causes that to not succeed you know in in the way that it needs to for you know other people so what you're saying is even if you don't like the to, movie you're going to see it five times just to give it some that little bit of a box office push to try to keep them going. Because <laughs> Josh's $40 is going to make that difference in the long run. My $40 will, will not, but if <laughs> constantly cutting something down, depending on what, you know, d- depending on what media outlet someone is seeing, if they're just going through social media or, or a magazine they get or something, and if... 10,000 people see that and those 10,000 people decide not to go see it and not support it, you know, financially even one time, that that's how it has the impact. And so I I'm, are 10,000 people listening to this podcast. I don't see the numbers, Brian. I think he, I think he's more talking about like just reviews in general. Yeah, I'm just I'm yeah. just, you know, Right. The idea is not just that I want it to my my opinion about it is not the thing that helps it succeed. It's everybody's opinion is the thing that helps it succeed in order to get more and in order to get more for, yes, hopefully something that we all enjoy potentially more than what we've what we've had. So it's 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 a a difficult plank to walk. I, I think I have a lot of things I could say once we get into spoilers that might help alleviate some of that stress for you or at least give you some sort of um reconciliation yeah hopefully with some feelings that you may have that you really sound like you don't want to express openly because you don't want to it's the phantom menace syndrome right like everybody saw phantom menace for the first time was like was this bad i don't know if this is bad let's see it five more times and make sure it's bad no i can't say it's bad because it's star wars like it's, I feel like it's one of those. But to, to be fair, the difference the has grown on me it, over the years. For yes, for sure, yes, I would agree with that. But at the time, that's the mentality when it's fresh and new, and that was the it was it was the good thing to beat up. But everybody was still trying to see it to justify that it it was being good. The difference is, I think, Star Wars at that point was never in jeopardy as far as like, oh, they're gonna kill the trilogy. Like yeah. the prequel trilogy isn't gonna work because this movie didn't work. They were gonna make them regardless because it was George Lucas finishing Star Wars. Well, and th- even those the same movies thing were with banking like insane amounts of money by comparison. Right. Well, percentage and, and the same like thing actual with actual dollars you know, different, but yeah. 
I think the same thing with Rise of Skywalker. Like, Rise of Skywalker, I think, is an objectively bad movie. But at no point do I think it's going to be the movie that's going to kill the franchise. No. It it would take ten bad movies like that in a row to kill Star Wars. Yeah. And Harry Potter, I could have sworn I would have thought the same thing. I didn't think you could touch Harry Potter. I thought it was unkillable. But with everything else going on right now and the diminishing box office from all this stuff, I there's a chance maybe we don't see this anymore. Like, I don't know. I don't know. The The difference here is that I feel like you could, you could executives could either pivot, either they say, we're not going to make the other two, or you're going to make the other two at a smaller budget. So instead of so, 200 million, maybe you have to make one for 100 million. So when it makes 400 million, they're still coming out on top. I, I saw it as something where in my mind, they may truncate it into the fourth and fifth movies into fourth. And just, uh, okay. you know what I mean? Just Instead of having two movie. more movies, we're going to have one. We're going to let you finish the story. We're not going to send Harry Potter out on a dead-end note that never finishes. We're going to let you finish it, and then that's it. But you have one mm. movie to do it. Yeah, possibly. Um, so that that was a long, long way. You know me. I'm sorry. So, like, I'm kind of trying to answer your question about the general thought. There's, there's a lot of stuff about the movie I, I, I enjoyed, but after three installments i think there's undeniably uh just overall project and overall story and overall execution issues that just can't be ignored yeah definitely yeah i don't know i i it's hard for me to, like, recommend this stuff, because, like, Harry Potter isn't as much as my wheelhouse as these guys I know. I've only seen the Fantastic Beast movies once. Um, I remember enjoying the first one. I remember not liking the second one. And after one viewing of this, I don't think I like this one either. So I'm... I'm un- and that's not to say I'm not going to, like, sign off the franchise from here on out. If they make two more Fantastic Beast movies, I'm going to see them. At the very least, hoping that they will be coming around and be more enjoyable for me. But... Coming off of the last two, I'm like, I don't really know where they're going. I don't know what they're doing. Like, there, there's just a lot on, that I'm unsure about going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So, we'll get into some spoilers. We'll throw out the alert and uh, go from there. So, this is as good as we're going to get for right now. From this point forward, we'll be hitting into the spoiler territory to discuss plot details and story specifics. If you do not want spoiled, pause us now and come back after watching the movie. Otherwise, if you listen on, you've basically checked our podcast's uh, term of terms of service box and are subject to whatever comes next. So this is your last warning. Spoilers to follow. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler. You know, something like that. All right. So I think uh, as we've done with other sort of like Harry Potter centric episodes, uh, I'm going to defer this discussion to Josh. So you can you can lead us where you want to go, sir. Hopefully at the very best you can uh, or at the least, I guess, uh, explain this movie to me. What the what the hell? happened here (laughs) what the hell man (laughs) so let me let me start by saying i i I mean i i I don't know yet how to take that question so do you mean to say you you actually are confused by something or perhaps like myself you were not quite sure why any of it really mattered yeah i guess more the latter like i i know some things happened uh mm-hmm. but for the most part i was bored and didn't know why i should care about the things that are happening i i i i think i can understand that so i i 
the overall arc of things that happen in this movie are are actually quite very very simple. There's a creature that I mean, I mean let, let's let's try to boil it down. A couple of talking points. A, a a creature that can judge the quality of people is sought after uh, by two different opposing groups and a formerly uh viewed criminal is uh released from persecution who then is allowed to run for the highest office in the known global wizarding world mm -hmm. and the other opposing force to them concocts a, a plan which leads to a series of events trying to either stop that or show the fraud that is happening that that's okay i mean that's kind of then, i guess and then everything in the middle sort of as individual pieces to that does i yeah i don't i don't know how they really impact each other so, yeah, I guess the the broad arching stuff. I guess I followed, and I was yeah into the the Dumbledore and Grindelwald stuff. But I think all the all the it almost felt like secondary stuff, even though it was the main plot of the movie. But I guess like the Dumbledore and Grindelwald stuff was the like the B plot kind of. It felt like because yeah. the it's the overarching plot of the whole series, right? That they're giving you breadcrumbs towards while they tell their yeah. crimes or secrets of Dumbledore movie story in and of itself yeah because i think you know the the eventual uh fallout and battle between the, the those two characters i know just from you guys talking yep. about it like that's not something i would know going in mm -hmm. um and that's something i think that interests me about this series so i i it, they've hooked me with that like i want to see where all that goes and maybe i'm just not getting enough of that in all of these movies to hold my interest so well, that yeah. might be part of it. I, I personally, I think we were just touching on like what they're going to do going forward because of the box office and where things are going wrong and why things seem to be off with this series. Cause I think we can all agree things seem a little bit off, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the reason the first movie worked so much better than these next two was that the first movie was about Newt. And it was about, you know, um, Jacob and their story and uh, Queenie. And I'm sorry, I forget her name after this. Um, Tina. Tina. It was their story. It was those four characters and what was going on with them. And their story was much more interesting, um, especially for fans. And I think had they just kept that same energy through the series and instead of wanting to tell this Dumbledore and Grindelwald story instead of having that be something they were so focused on if instead they chose to focus on Newt's story and pitch all that stuff aside because we know the ending already we already know how this story ends with Dumbledore and Grindelwald. We already know it's yeah. kind of middle and we know it's beginning. We've already read this in the books. The, you know, the fans, if you will. 
And well, okay. So the counterpoint to that is, I think the same thing. Just to compare with Star Wars again, the same thing with the prequels, right? Like you knew what that story was going to tell. Anakin Skywalker's turn to Darth Vader. You knew the ending. We knew he turned into Darth Vader, but we didn't know how. The books tell us very clearly in detail what happens between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. It's not like a question. Like we know but, how so you this know the ends whole story. And exactly you, not just, what happens. You know, in the books or any other discussion before these movies you know some background when they were teenagers like right after Dumbledore graduates to Hogwarts at 17 or 18 and then flash forward 60 to 70 years when finally Dumbledore has to be the one to take him down that's it those are the two points in time right that you previously knew anything okay. Prior to, in between those moments at any given point, was completely unknown. Okay, so, Mike, I feel like the way Josh described that is almost different the way you described it. You made it sound like they filled in all those story gaps from in between all that stuff. Um, I, I feel like there were some implied things in the story that maybe we didn't have with Star Wars. It, it, personally, like, I, I don't think there's as much mystery as to what went on between Dumbledore and Grindelwald as maybe Josh just implied. I, I didn't feel well, that way going into well, this series. In, no, I, like in the I way that there's, any... there's never mentions of like, they ran into each other over the years in, in these general contexts. They, like, there's never mention of like, well, no, there, there's almost no speci- became president of the world. No, there, there's no specifics, but coming out of the whole Harry Potter series, I guess, and this is where the difference can be between Star Wars and the Harry Potter series is Star Wars set up. We're starting at episode four. Okay. That was, you know, that, that was their starting point. We're starting at episode four. We're telling you the story of the fall of Darth Vader and coming out of that for years, everybody wanted to know what episode one, two, and three were, even if it was just because of the title of episode four. They wanted to know, but also because it's just the general story. How did Darth Vader become Darth Vader? How did Anakin Skywalker become Darth Vader? I don't feel like there's that intrigue here because Dumbledore and Grindelwald are not the focus of Harry Potter's story. They are just parts of it. Okay, I got you. And... You know, it's like, okay, I know what happens between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. I know how it started, because we were told that in the book. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know anymore. I personally, like, I didn't need that, this whole arc with Dumbledore and Grindelwald, I didn't need. And if these movies were more focused on Newt, Tina, Jacob, and Queenie, and their arc, with this stuff with Dumbledore and Grindelwald just happening in the background. It's there. It's occurring in the world. It's, well, it's the main plot line. Right. I think it works so much better because it's just saying like, oh, this is happening. That's happening. But the characters that they're the new characters that they're trying to focus on and get you to fall in love with are there and at the forefront. Whereas here, Newt takes a forefront and the others, Jacob gets a good bit of time. Obviously, Tina gets like nothing. Yeah, and Queenie gets a little bit without a ton of explanation into why the fuck she did what she did. That's what I said. Yes, I I don't know what the hell was going on with her. I had to be almost reminded when she shows up, like 
why why is she there? What was like I remember her turning at the end of the last well, we don't one, get but I had to be reminded why. What was the and reason? Then... So the rewatch of Grindelwald, the frustration she felt by being prohibited in her by her country's wizarding laws of effectively being able to marry the person she wanted to she viewed or either naively or actually just thought that at first perhaps uh grindelwald's philosophies would be a means to that end that marrying if, jacob if yes if wiz if wizards at the least don't have to if they if they don't have to worry about keeping out of sight even if you achieve that by uh conquering ruling superiority over the non-magical world then the, the I mean he lied to her right like oh, he horribly. said we can we can do whatever we want if you side with me. And then he becomes in power and then realizes, okay, by the way, now we're going to have laws or restrictions against what you want to do right, because now that I'm in power. Because he's as okay. much of a pureblood fanatic as all of the authoritarians in that in, – in Just authoritarians world. in general. Become so in reality, like, like, like that was never on the table, but he told her that to get her on his side, and then... Because he needed the a legitimate on his side. Yeah. He oh, needed correct. her uh, ability to read people's minds. A thousand percent. Yeah, and then that's what it was the whole time, but... but I understood her, Grindelwald's motivation the whole time, yeah, where, of, where of wanting was, her and manipulating from. her, but, like, her what, falling for it just seemed to make her a weaker character that a legilimens really wouldn't be. Well, we... we uh, uh, litigated that in in the discussion about the Grindelwald movie. Yeah, I know. We, yeah, but it, the, I I think just as the explanation as to why that character did what what they did, that was where she was coming from. Now, once you, I'm assuming, like once you join the cult, it's not that hard. It's not that easy to get out of the cult. Yeah. Um. Now, the one thing aside from that that I would say is, and it kind of goes along those lines. Did either of you have any indication, both from it, it, it explicitly saying so or from uh, an obvious passage of time? I had to look this up afterward. Um, the first movie takes place in 1926. They, they say that on screen. The mm -hmm. second one, 1927. They say that on screen. I, both times, seeing Dumbledore, I do not remember them putting a year up. So I had to look it up afterward, and apparently everywhere is an agreement that this story takes place ten years after the end of Crimes of Grindelwald. No, I didn't get that anywhere. Number one, you could have told I don't... me one year, two year, five years. I don't. What, well, whatever. And I think part of the reason for that is that they're stuck with the years that they put into the Harry Potter books as the end point for this story. Correct. So they have to so eventually bridging that get gap. there. But because of that, it didn't even. Even if it's seen like, but. Even if, even if they decided to jump a decade, to me there was nothing other than the length of uh, Credence's hair that would tell me that there's been any significant passage of time. Like, like just the length of Dumbledore's beard. There was nothing. Well, barely. 
I mean, barely. Like that's there, there's nothing in a significant way that describes like there have been major shifts in well, the wizarding world, or like Dumbledore has been hanging on to this blood pact thing that was found at the end of Grindelwald for a decade. Uh, Queenie has been serving him for a decade. Credence has been with him for a decade. Like, okay, it, 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 but none of that comes through. I think I understand the reason that they chose to move forward a decade, and it was because there's a lot of things going on in the world very similar to this at that time in the sure, mid but, to late 30s that lead to a lot of really crazy shit that happens. But contextually, it makes no damn sense. To Josh's That's, point, if they if they put the years in front of the did. other movies, why don't they just put a year in this one to just take that... Well, away like so exactly. you're very clearly telling the audience this takes so, place this year yeah, no and it doesn't feel like it's 10 years later at all correct that that's too. the thing there's there's, yeah. there's two potholes one they don't tell you in any way that that is how much time has passed but even if they did what was then presented does not equate to me as 10 years worth of significant change to circumstances I could have guessed like one to three, just maybe eyeballing like, uh, it. Yeah, like they, they, they could have done things like like nobody's. Uh, and I guess you could kind of play this off because we got in the other episodes we got into like long discussions about how wizards age and whatnot. But <laughs> well, that's a but like hole. Newt's, you know, childhood crush and his brother's fiance Lita was killed by Grindelwald ten years ago. So, like, 10 years has passed since then. Actually, that doesn't make sense. And I just realized why. In, <laughs> in this movie, um, Bunty says she's been working for Newt for eight years and some specific days. If 10 years has passed, she already exists in it Crimes of Grindelwald. If that's 10 years, that physically can't work. Is there any confirmation that it's ten years, wrong. or is it there, just assumption by the community? There, there. I, I tried to find it. Apparently, there or are. Or is it uh, the? Inter- no, apparently, there's interviews with the cast as they were doing press. Well, I mean, in which if, if it was like so. eight years and she like had just been hired in Crimes of Grindelwald, kind of maybe. That's just, close enough for ten years. It might be, and 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 it's not about nitpicking this point for the sake of say uh, showing like oh they're wrong about it. It's that. The story beats that they are choosing are not adequately and satisfactorily moving the overall story forward. Right. And the the sub-stories that then have to exist between them suffer because then you, you create these problems of, okay, well, what... So Newt and Tina have been kind of estranged for five to ten years? Like, all those micro-relationships then suffer along the way. and, and yeah. Well, and, and I think it, this it, comes back to a lot of what happens in Hollywood and movies and just the world today. It was all about money. They thought of this all as a five-movie arc because mm-hmm. they wanted five movies worth of money out of it. And so these subplots and stories that they're putting in that really aren't that interesting and I really don't give a shit about, they're putting in to extend the story as opposed to putting them in the way that they naturally were with Harry Potter when she wrote the books 
and created such a great story to begin with, which was very organically. Because the idea of Harry Potter from the start was we're going to follow each book through a year of his primary school and his secondary mm -hmm. school. And we're, we're going to get to his graduating age of becoming an adult and some shit's going to happen. <laughs> and this is taking a completely different route of just stuffing shit in. It feels like just stuffing shit in and, and to make the, five movies happen. And with with the last two movies, the the to me, the entire subplot that runs through a big chunk of Grindelwald regarding, um, at that point regarding Credence's identity. And it's not so much his identity, but then when it turned out that, oh, it's maybe intertwined with Lita and her half-brother and the fact that this other baby was actually accidentally killed and the babies were switched and it turns out to not be... Like, that whole thing was completely immaterial. It didn't matter at at frick all. Um, the, 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 the steps you move forward with Grindelwald's progression worked very well, I thought. And and you got to a logical place to step off from there and go to the next one. There's, there's just an overall story arc problem that, that they have. And so I wish, I, I just wish it was better. And in, in, to like in summation for this entire story, it exists for the sole reason of breaking Dumbledore's, obligation via spell not to move against Grindelwald. Sure. That's what this entire movie is about. Yes. If you were to take one thing away, it get, that's the one thing it achieves. It frees Dumbledore to move against Grindelwald. Yes. And Which at the least, I will say, as, as a positive, and I wish it was a little bit bigger scale, had lasted longer, but at the at least in, like, in the very moment that he realizes he's free, there wasn't any kind of like awkward hesitation it was like oh i'm gonna fuck you up <laughs> I'm, it, I'm like right now i'm coming after you like i at least appreciated that the, yeah. the absolute most positive thing i can say about that is watching dumbledore in his prime apparating around flashing spells back and forth with grindelwald mm -hmm. in his prime that was cool as shit but where it i think it fell short is that we've seen dumbledore in a fight before mm-hmm and that's at the end of Order of Phoenix. Right. Okay, we've read about it in uh, other ways. But at the end of the Order of the Phoenix movie, we see him go head-to-head -head with Voldemort, and that battle is infinitely better than what we see at the end of this movie. Agreed. And, it, and that battle ends in the same way that this one does. Stalemate. Nobody wins. And the guy walks away. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, nobody wins. Yeah. They both go on their way back to the good side and the bad side. Well, and the guy like, literally all... just walks away from the fight. Like, he is allowed to walk away. Yeah. So, that battle at the end of Order of the Phoenix was so much better than this. Th this had its cool moments. Yeah, th this yeah. had, like, don't get me wrong, like, the fast apparating back and forth to fuck around, that was cool as shit, but yeah. it was the only cool part about it. The rest of it was like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? But, like, that battle from the fifth movie was just, it, it, it's a part of that movie that I could just watch on repeat for a while because it's fucking amazing. Yeah. I'll, so let me let me ask know. about something that might hopefully bring out some positives, although I'm sure it could be some some criticisms. 
So we spent a lot of time on the Grindelwald review discussing the uh, Credence lineage point where that movie ended. And something that didn't even occur to any of us at all. At all. Didn't even... Aberforth never occurs to anyone. He could simply have been Aberforth's son. Everybody forgets Aberforth. I wish... Yeah, right. I actually... I, I... liked that very much in this um as that i had wished that had been 50 percent more of the movie yes and yeah, the, at least like I mean, the way miller does not get anything to do in this movie like no very he just little. for being, for like being the, such the, a focal point in the earlier two like there's it, there's nothing for him to do in this one and i wish like there'd been more focus on like watching the effect of his health declining and like they, it was they a, could have had a, a conclusion to his arc here in yes. him standing up fully instead of having the fight with Dumbledore at the end of this movie, have Grindelwald and uh, Credence have their fight, have Credence die in the fight, like not like die or be in bad, bad health or anything, but just straight up killed by Grindelwald. Maybe. Yeah. And have that art conclude there, right? Don't get me wrong. I, I know they wish they had done it that way at this point. Yeah. But that's another story altogether. Give, give me 30 seconds. I'm going to give you a better movie than we got. <laughs> uh, Credence's health is a focal point much more than it was. You see visually and emotionally more deterioration. You get to that final point there up on the uh, the election tower. And instead of just in the weirdest way, calmly and awkwardly walking up in front of him and just saying to people, he's lying. He's not telling the truth, guys. This is is wrong. Something goes down where earlier on you understand that the more, at this point, the more he uses magic, the faster it's going to kill him. And at some point when shit comes to a head, Maybe, yes, him and his father uh, have to tango with Grindelwald because maybe Grindelwald's like, all right, I'm sick of you. I don't want you anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm done with you. He goes to do the same thing. He goes to attack. Aberforth jumps in to, to help. There's a sacrifice move from Credence to save his father. In the end, you know, using some last final big burst of magical ability doesn't take out Grindelwald, but it saves his father. And in those closing moments, you still can have that, which I will admit, when I when I heard this line, it broke it broke me. And Sarah and I both looked at each other like, oh, tear. You still get that line of, you know, did you ever think about me, father? And when Aberforth responds, always never saw that coming in a million years it hit every note that built up in me loving these stories for 15 years yeah see from i like i i, I hate to be the contrarian on that one i felt i i kind of rolled my eyes at that personally i did not need snape's line taken from him and used in another movie I didn't well, need his thing, but to it, be I know done it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't always it was Snape's thing. line, though. Harry's after even in Deathly Hallows Part Two, after Snape is dead, 
and Harry goes and learns the truth. He walks out into the woods, brings his parents back. Yeah, but I feel like that's his, a connection to Snape that he says that for, though. Like, it's Snape uh, says it. To some it, degree, but, but his mother says sees, it, too. It, well, it's, and, a, and it's a, it, it's yeah, a Harry right. Potter thing. Well, no, I it's, mean, it's, it's a Lily and Snape thing. I, I, I guess, but, like, to me, Lily saying it to Harry as well is a way that it solidifies it and as maybe that was, a, a it relational thing. A relational thing to people in this in this world, and I I was I was okay with it. I think in the execution of it, where after Credence barely like he doesn't do anything, he he gets saved from getting shot. Right. He stays on the ground for a while. Then he's sitting up next to the wall, presumably kind of on his deathbed. You get the line. They walk away. It, it was unsatisfying to me. So. Let me, maybe you guys can, can, this is one part that was confusing to me, so maybe somebody can explain it. The, Credence doesn't know his parentage, right? That's part of the movie. In theory, yes. <laughs> That's a confusing okay. fucking like, this movie. The, the <laughs> movie. The movie finally explains that he's the one writing in the mirror to Aberforth. Yes. Right. So, how does that happen? No idea. Like, okay. Is it just a coincidence? It would be nice if they explained that. Like is he just so, like writing to whoever who answers? Like I is mean, it is it just saying you, like find my parents and then he just knows like the spell knows to look to? It, it would like, not be dif- it would not be difficult to learn for anyone to learn that Aberforth Dumbledore is Albus Dumbledore's brother. Okay, that would not be that difficult to learn. And if you know who Aberforth is, you know he owns a bar, and so you could kind of do that. Yeah. I think that was part I, that's of it I is that not a lot of people going. knew was... that that was Aberforth. Like, I always thought that was kind of like, not well, even if necessarily they knew it was Aberforth, they did known. not know. Who... Like, you, you did, he didn't use the name Aberforth with, no, with but like, as, as... patrons and whatnot at the bar. Well, or even if he did, people just didn't put the names together and didn't know. Like, even um, Jessica Williams' character, the professor, even says, like, she's a teacher at Hogwarts. And, you know, she's a co-teacher of Dumbledore's at Hogwarts and even says Dumbledore has a brother. Like they're yeah. always very secretive. They don't really care well, about they're the not association. Bagshot, not. Who studied, you know, all that Godric's hollow stuff about their whole lineage right. and whatnot. And so, so that, can someone was it maybe it just was, ref- go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. Well, say it was believable to me that Credence or Aurelius could have figured out that is Aberforth Dumbledore and maybe I'm using him as a conduit to get to Dumble to Albus, okay. who ultimately is my target. That is where I thought it was going. Since it turns out, and maybe that is, but if that was the case, then that wasn't very well explained. Because then maybe, it just seems to come off as a coincidence. Oh, you found your dad? Right. Did you know right. he was your dad? What the hell? That's the questions I'm asking. And and maybe, Josh, since you recently saw it, what, what's the interaction like between... Uh, Aberforth and um, uh, Credence when they finally meet at the end. Is there any recognition? Like, where he does he even acknowledge? Like, oh, you're my father. Like, I've known it all along. Or is he more surprised that? Oh, wait, you're my dad. So, the, as far as I remember, even in the second viewing, Credence does not. Other than after um, Grindelwald has lost and he's pissed off after he was, uh, you know, attacked and whatnot. Credence is just sitting there. I don't think he said he doesn't say anything like there's there is not a deliberate exchange of words like dad. 
Nothing. The only remark he makes to Aberforth is, did you ever think about me? I'm paraphrasing. That could be the line, but it's bar- that's it's, basically it. Yeah, it's, it's something along those lines. So there, at that at that point, you have to assume there is mutual understanding and recognition of the relationship, but neither of them has explicitly, it's been shown, explicitly expressed that to the other. So do, like, at what point did they actually become aware of it like we we right. know we know when aberforth did because him and albus talked about it and it's they're shown to have talked about that okay but aberforth expressing that directly to credence and that's something i think like the dumb movie goer in me needs like i need yes, some acknowledgement do. there either him to say oh you're my dad or hey dad i knew all along or even for him to say oh you're my son like anything just, just a little bit of exposition there would make that scene a lot better for me i think and i think it would connect a lot of the dots from earlier so you know how and why the writing in the mirror is happening. If he's actually specifically targeting him, or I'd buy what what you said is that he's aiming for Dumbledore but getting Albus by mistake. Well, even if like, he's getting Aberforth, or that's what I meant. On yeah, Aberforth. Purpose, sorry. You could explain if you didn't want the reveal. If there wasn't the understanding, or you didn't want to share with the audience that they already perhaps know their relationship by that point, you could at least frame it to the audience like he has tracked down Aberforth because in his mind he's a double door he's been told this but really his 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 target he's been assigned to kill Albus Dumbledore effectively yeah yeah so but but as to how and why that was occurring no I don't believe there was any explanation of that really given okay no there should have been but there was not so so that I don't just have another thing that I'm shitting on and ending there. <laughs> How did you guys feel generally about the parentage idea, the reveal, the explanation? Was that it made good common enough? sense to me? Okay, it, like it, I didn't think of it ahead of time. I didn't anticipate yeah. it, but it did make common sense. Like, oh, you're a Dumbledore. You're not his brother. You're not his son. You're his nephew. Okay, yeah. I accept yep. this. It's not ridiculous. It's not as dumb as it sounded at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald. Because when they said that at the end, it's like, bullshit. We know the whole Dumbledore family at this point. Yeah. and 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 So they found a way that it wasn't. With with that review in that we were presuming, like, it seems like Grindelwald is framing to Credence as if he is a brother. Not that he's a son. Yeah, yeah. He's deliberately giving him that impression, and I think that's been a fairly common understanding of that, of that scene. And uh, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but what it, w- they could have named him Aegon, just for the hell of the reveal. Like, I'm the only Game of Thrones fan. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, oh. I see. No, sorry, I forgot about that. Okay, <laughs> just for the hell, just for the laugh of it, it would have been funny to. Yeah, yeah. It, um, you know, like, oh, so you're Aurelius. What, I was like, oh, man, it was right there. You could have, you know, another <laughs> A name. Um, How did you guys feel? So let, let's let's kind of pivot hard. So we we have a, a, a probably the least amount of time really spent with magical creatures in this in this one. Um, obviously the, I, th- I think it's up for debate whether they're blast ended scroots or fire crabs or manticores, but you have, I went with the scroots personally. 
time yeah, time that you spend with the killer crabs in the uh, German dungeon of death. Yeah. Um, and then you have basically your focal point in some ways are these uh, these deer like creatures known as chillins. Quick question, pop quiz. How would you spell chillin? I'm going to guess at how they spelled chillin since it's obviously not how you might expect. Well, so have you seen it written somewhere? No. Okay, go ahead. So I'm it's just definitely like chillin, you know, like I'm chillin. I'm chillin, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah. No, not that. But uh let, let let's see. Chillin. T C H I mean it's it's got to be I. It's got to be there's got to be some L's in there. U N T C H I L L U N. Chillin. You're at least like trying to chillin. go for like a somewhat like Mexican Mayan perhaps sort sort of uh uh origin with that. Uh no, no, it's not. Um it is spelled Q I L I N. Just accept that and move on. No, um, I don't accept that. Fuck that. <laughs> killing. English yeah, is a yeah, fucking killing. language and we have agreed upon it and that is bullshit. And maybe it's not uh in in technically uh even in in the 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 fictitious lore of wizards maybe it's not of english origin who knows but that is that is how you spell it i want to um, introduce that spelling to like a thousand people and see how many people <laughs> say chillin none none the answer is none <laughs> it is none then if you want to do a thousand five thousand will get it wrong that's true <laughs> um i i actually kind of liked how the movie opened i thought the opening was really strong with I that agree. creature I liked yeah, yeah. The, I liked the restaurant scene that you really opened the movie with. Um, oh, oh, the yeah, conversation with, yeah, with like over Dumbledore tea. and them just sitting over tea. Um, I thought the opening, like the first half of the movie, honestly, even to like, I liked the first like two thirds, and I think you could make the second act a lot stronger. But I was fairly good with the first like two thirds. I think the first like twenty minutes, half an hour is really strong. Um, I had the thought when they were going at like when it opens with the them fighting over the magical creature I'm like I didn't know what the fuck was going on or why mm -hmm. and it's kind of just like one I had the thought of shit I should have watched the other movies first (laughs) and then two I had the thought of like this must be what like normies feel like when they go to see Marvel movies and like are just seeing them out of sequence (laughs) and don't know what the hell's going on like could be yeah did you just say normies yeah 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 um yeah, I agree. That that first bit of the movie is really good. It, it sets up what I was hoping. That was like the most horror movie shit ever. By the way, that that sound was very. It was good. Um, I, I feel like the setup was so much better than what happened. Um, and I think it's you know in part because they're trying to hammer home this point about gaslighting and misinformation and all this shit that they want to try and make this point about with, you know, Grindelwald's rise to power here about like a bunch of psychotic masses wanting this madman in charge of things. And it's just like, I don't need the political overtones in Harry Potter like that. Like I don't need that in the magical universe. It's something like evil can just be evil and have evil people following them as opposed to duping the masses. I didn't need the duping the masses part of this storyline 
Um, and I think that's like something where I would say like Harry Potter is always kind of a really great escape from reality. I didn't want reminded of reality with this movie. In See, I kind of dug that. that. I was sense. fine with that. I think, I think, you know, it's all, it's part of the commentary of like, you know, this, we always want to think, oh, no one's that stupid to do that kind of stuff. But no, real life has proven that yes, people are that stupid and they will do that. So it, it all makes sense to me. I'm not yeah. saying it doesn't make sense. I'm saying like in the magical world, can't we just be like evil's just evil? Can't we well, just... I mean, the magical world is supposed to reflect the real world, right? So that's why it makes sense to me and why they oh, why no, it's a I, mirror I image it. of us. I, I guess for me, like, I, I still come back to the whole idea of, like, I could have done this whole Fantastic Beast five movie arc without Dumbledore or Grindelwald at all. Yeah. Toss them aside mm, and tell saying. me Newt's story on his own. That's I mean, what I would have preferred, personally. Yeah, I mean, pivoting from the the sort of authoritarian playbook that was used in the Grindelwald movie, which I really, really dug a lot. I was surprised at the notion of like, okay, well, he's going to go from that, from like cult of personality and cr- like literal criminal um, into a legitimized public figure. Populist. Yeah. Um, which anybody who aspires to that, and that's, I mean, really, that's what Voldemort became. That's how he got to the point that he did. It was the same thing. It was just the strategy and the tactics were different. Being as generous as I could after this entry, I could say, like, you, you could maybe argue, well, uh, Voldemort is about 10 to 11 years old at this point point in our in the Grindelwald story and if he studied over decades of you know different dark wizards attempts to rise to power could you say this this was a a lesson he learned he looked at this and said you don't need to be the candidate on the ballot you can just be the person pulling the strings behind everybody else you don't need to be the one in public you just need to be the one everyone fears that's as generous as I could be. I, I didn't, the the notion that, again, with the time gap doesn't help, but I have no idea what the hell's been going on in the wizarding world for 10 years that all of a sudden they then decide to um, drop all charges against him after 10 years. Like, has he done nothing more? Has he continued to do more that we don't know? Um, and then, yeah, legitimize him. And make him a real. It, it, it was, it was a swing Damn. in the history of of the arc of the person getting from where they were to where they ultimately get to. I mean, you can see by the end at whatever point, like he has a very huge following. And, and, and I think I I didn't see this as a necessary part of of going th- the the motions that he would go through. Well, and and I think furthermore. Kind of to what I said before about not needing this story about Grindelwald. And you bring up Voldemort. Move this story about Newt forward in time a little ways. And tell us more about Voldemort. And how he and what was going on when he was in power. And how all of that really happened. And what happened. And give us all those details. I feel like it would be 
again, not perfect and not what I would really want, but it would be more interesting than this. Possibly, but I'm going to say that that is literally the exact parallel to the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Yes, and those movies made a shit ton of money. Uh, yes, but they <laughs> also, depending on who's behind them and who's creating them, I mean, and, and you could argue, like, why not do that? Because it's been done. You've already, you've told us about, we already know this person, and we we have seen the middle part and the fall of the Dark Lord, and then Star Wars told us how he became the Dark Lord. So Harry Potter doesn't want to do that same exact thing. They're going to tell you about something else, which I can at least appreciate. So let me just ask you guys as Harry Potter fans for some of this stuff. The the Fantastic Beast movies, you guys really for generally have no idea where these stories are going, right? Other than the the Dumbledore Grindelwald stuff. 100%. I mean, we know where it like ends, you guys, that's it. But we don't know right. how they're going to get there. But like we don't know much about Newt other than what the movies tell us no, other than Newt he was a is, scholar and made a book. That that's why I said like it. I want to focus it. on Newt's story and Jacob's story. But that's what I mean. I'm wondering how much of how much untold. of Newt's story can we get? Like, is it just, is, would it literally be five movies of him just hunting magical creatures? Is that it? Well, I don't think we need five stories, or five movies. Well, his, still, even if it was yes. a trilogy, like... Well, they could I, have I told understand. a whole different story. There's no... Before Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them happens, there's, other than the fact that he wrote that book, like, he is mentioned in the Harry Potter novels as the author of the Fantastic Beasts book. Yeah. Other than that, there is no history of Newt Scamander. So they no could have told... nothing. Right, yeah. They, they, they could have told anything they wanted about this character. It did not have to relate to Grindelwald and Dumbledore at all. What am I, yeah, I guess... So it didn't have to relate I guess... to the 20s. It didn't have to relate to... They could have done anything with that character. But I guess what I'm asking is like since we know he's a scholar about magical creatures, we're led to believe I don't know if he would have done anything else besides hunt magical creatures and how would you make that interesting for three movies? Well, you have to make some magical creature that he's hunting throughout the course of however many movies somehow significant in a greater way that he's hunting which, which this... I thought the obscurial established in the first one was going to have a much greater through line and apparently it's that's definitely not right, remind me what exactly. that is because i don't know that's, that's that. the, the force yeah it's the force that manifested in credence over time from and suppressing his magical quality so that's and supposed to be a magical creature yes. no it's it's well uh, credence himself yes is an obscure no yeah but credence would be the magical creature in obscurial like, I'm already confused. Sort of speaking, yeah. It, it, it's an it's a an obscurial is a person that has an immense amount of magical power contained within them. That, technically speaking, credence does not do magic the same way that Harry Potter would do magic, because it, it, credence was treated as a squib at first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where a squib, I, I know, Brian, do you know the term? A squib no. is a, a... A squib is a person born into a magical family that should have magic, but doesn't. Okay. okay. So, um, Mr. Filch, David Bradley, in the Harry Potter films, the... the 
the janitor. The janitor, okay. hall monitor, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, he yeah. was a squib. And okay. that's how he wound up in that position. They're part of the magical community because they live in magical families, but they're not magical themselves. But okay. the obscurial within Credence feeds kind of on his pain and it grows in power because of that. And it's, it's, I guess a, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, is that a creature? Is that some kind of spell? Well, like, what it, is it's, it? It's something that manifests in magical people that, that can manifest in magical people who try to suppress and ignore their magic. So that yes. whole backstory okay. that they try to talk about, that they, they give you... The whole thing that you get in this movie, the the exposition from Dumbledore about his sister, finally, mm-hmm. yeah, you see that painting at at the same place in the last of the Hallows movie. You get about mm-hmm. six seconds of discussion about it that doesn't explain shit. Yeah, you kind of get a uh, abridged version of that background through Dumbledore's exposition in this movie. His okay. sister was an obscurial as well. He says that she okay. was as a young child, as, as like a six year old living in an area where non-magical people were little kids, like any little kid in the you know, our real world don't, don't have control over their thoughts and actions. Okay. So a magical person in this fictitious place, a six year old doesn't understand how or why when blah 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 how to control magical expression okay so she is noticed by a group of muggle teenage boys details about what is actually done to her are not ever discussed but at the very least she is severely harassed something yeah um several things come as fallout to that one of those is she uh, internalizes that event and okay. and then then therefore says magical expression is bad so therefore she wants to contain it okay the suppression of that is what allows an obscurial which is the reaction like a reactionary magical force internally to so come this is like into the magical being. metaphor for PTSD um S- may- maybe more some for... what it bipolarism I, is like, the way I kind of looked at it more so it could be so like in Credence in Credence's case by the time he and we still don't know exactly why he was on a boat going to America in which he resulted in getting swapped with a Lestrange newborn allowing him to live we still don't know that part but it may be explained in the future we, who, but, well not. does it really does it freaking matter anymore he's, he's dead um, is he He's dead. That's, yeah. But... I don't know. We see him walking off at the end of this. We don't see him die. Fair. I think all implication is that if they're trying to tie up loose ends, potentially... I mean, he'll just be recast. It's fine. But in his case, he goes to America because his caretaker now is presumably gone. He ends up as an adopted baby of the woman who runs the anti-witch group in New York. Yeah. Right? She raised him. Even if he had, he didn't know who he was, but even if he had inklings of magical feelings or just being different, etc., he's pushing that down because 
the person who is raising him is telling him anybody like that needs to be eradicated and is yeah. terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I, That's and how I... his starts to form. So the, the, the impetus, the catalyst could be different. Okay. But that is the reaction to making that choice as presumably basically a young child for the most part. And I think the reason for its presence in this storyline is very much to explain Dumbledore's obsession and need to help Harry as much as it is in that he has seen what happened to his sister. He has seen what happens to Credence and he knows that Harry is stuck with people that would push him to suppress whatever he is capable of. And he does not want to see that happen to Harry as well. So it's not just that Harry survived Voldemort. It's, this as well it's just you know more and more and more on top of like we don't want harry to become what credence was um but furthermore to like i guess get to your point is like what josh said you know figuring out this obscurial stuff would have been enough for me i didn't need the dumbledore grindelwald thing watching newt go through his love life and jacob go through what they're going through with queenie and tina and have that be more of the focus while newt figures out what the hell an obscurial really is like he's read about it he's heard about it it's some kind of mythical thing even within the magical world that would have been a cool investigation kind of series okay to end up that at maybe the same point where he talks to Dumbledore about, you know, like maybe, you know, the final scene we would get in the series is an old Newt Scamander talking to Dumbledore, say perhaps around the time of Order of the Phoenix, you know, before, or maybe after Dumbledore gets cursed in Half-Blood Prince about like, that's why you were so focused on Harry. Mm. You know what I mean? Like something like Newt finally figuring everything out. And I feel like that would have been so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I really do. Um, I feel like we're going pretty long already. Is there anything else we need to get to, Josh? Do you want to lead us somewhere else? I don't know what else you had on tap here. Um, I guess all I would bring up is I, I, and I, I wish we had gotten a lot more of him, but I actually really liked Richard Coyle as Aberforth. Um, I, I wish that he just had a lot more time and a lot more to do. Yeah. Um, I went back and forth on it a little bit, but after the second viewing, I I think I liked Jessica Williams' uh, portrayal of Professor Hicks a lot. Okay. I thought she was a good addition. She has a very quick cameo in in the second movie, and I, I really liked fun. her as part of the group. Yeah. Um, I had a little bit of mixed feelings about it, but I I think overall I I do now like where. I like what had I like what occurred in this with with Jacob and Queenie from from beginning to end, where they ended up, what happened along the way. Um, again, just the, the the notion to me of ten years, like what I can't I can't get past this. Like it just. Well, Josh, it, it, I think you and I kind of talked about it after I saw the movie and stuff mm-hmm. too. But the the whole Queenie Jacob thing, like. More or less, like, I think we talked about earlier, but, like, Queenie's motivation for turning and then eventually coming back around, we pinpointed, or at least our our best guess is, is basically the marriage to Jacob. She wasn't allowed to marry Jacob before. Right. At the end of this movie, they do get married, presumably because the leadership changed? Like, is that 
what suddenly allowed that, or they don't care anymore. I'm unsure why the marriage is happening. So One or the like, other. I don't think we have an answer to that, do we? Right, and and this that was actually something that had not occurred to me, and I feel uh, uh, like I should hand in part of my my fan card for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike. So he brings this idea up, like, okay, so are they just getting married in secret? Are they saying to hell with it? Whatever. I mean, the idea that is established in the first movie very clearly is Newt goes to America and says, this American rule you have says you can't marry non-magic people. Presumably, he's coming from England at the time that is totally fine with it. So therefore, if you're back in America at the close of the movie, um, Brian's question is, you know, is did America change its mind? Or did the, and is that in reaction to this new leadership at the international level? Or perhaps did, you know, was something um, agreed upon at an international level to remove global prohibitions uh, about it? You know, like how, if, if the whole arc of the second movie with them is I'm prohibited from doing this, then exactly what circumstance changed to allow them to do it if, if any and the short answer is that that answer that answer is not provided i mean i think it's a little bit assumed at least for me that they're just doing it anyways in spite of all of it because it's such a small gathering it's not a big party it's Mm -hmm. a few people um but i also wonder and this is complete speculation but like in the way that the ministry has ways of tracking like underage magic is there something that exists to understand unions like if there's something against the law you know what i mean like even if it's small would there be something that's traceable i don't know it's hard it's hard to say in in the wedding scene i really did like the moment um when queenie comes out from the back of the bakery and jacob immediately covers his his eyes but she's like (laughs) Newt has no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, they obviously do not have the tradition whatsoever of don't see the bride. Yeah. Before that, that actually was a really charming moment. I like that. I'm going to say, so, too, there was not enough Jacob in this movie for me. I needed some more Jacob. This, that goes to what I was saying, man. <laughs> Give us those four characters as the focal point of the whole thing. So, um, all right. So, let me. This here's another, like, maybe not like Harry Potter newbie question, but. Does Jacob have the ability to use magic? No. Okay. So they're just leading him on the whole movie because he does not yes. use magic no. in this movie. Yeah, he is being puppeted anytime it looks like he's using magic or anything like that. He's just being puppeted. And like the whole like, oh, can I keep this thing and all that? He's not going to use magic unless they want to rewrite the entire friggin' series. I think Josh and I talked about that when we reviewed the trailer. Um,. You know, like it would yeah, because he gets no the wand sense. in the trailer. Yeah, like yeah. It, it would make no sense for him to use magic. Like that would be so ridiculous. Um, but get, I think I wanted to make one point about the wedding thing. So I, I will give you a slight change to the ending that makes the next movie an absolute guaranteed bigger success than this one. So, they're having their celebration. Dumbledore's there, sitting on the bench, watching everything happen. Right? All this is going on. 
the last shot we get is Grindelwald apparating in and blowing up the bakery. <laughs> you don't get to see who survives, who doesn't, anything like that. You just see Grindelwald pop in, boom, credits. Instantly. So all those characters you want to spend more time with, you, you don't, want them all well, dead. You don't know who's going to live or survive. I'm not saying you show them <laughs> suffering and dying or anything. I'm saying like you just... It just happens. And then... Not not to say that that wouldn't be very impactful, but I feel like you you either have to commit to killing somebody at least somewhat significant, or you're like, all right, well, Bunty is dead. The baker assistant is dead. No, Everybody I, who's... You know, you're, you're like automatically... I think the obvious saying, like, answer not is... Not the main cast, you're dead. Yeah. I think the obvious answer is Queenie would be the one to die. Because he's going there to kill her because she turned on him. And he makes sure that she dies. He blows up the wedding, but he maybe nobody dies, but he goes in and makes sure she's dead. Oh, okay. Okay. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm, like, not just... I'm not saying I'm on board, but in that moment, okay, if, if I want to try to make it palatable, because she's a legilimens, she senses... Grindelwald in the in the, like the last possible seconds knows what he's thinking and what he's about to do and takes action one or you know two very very quickly to save everybody else yeah something like that like yeah like she so, something happens but yeah like I, I think you have a bigger setup there for the next movie and you get more interest in it with possibly because it, like coming... it felt like it was going to happen because it dragged on so long the whole time i'm like oh he's gonna show up even if they don't show him like blow or everything something up, significant just show happen, him yeah. apparate in just show him appear mm. there and then credits okay yeah i mean maybe I, it doesn't I, have to the, be an explosion you know yeah the the grindelwald at least the 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 second movie at least ends with the Dumbledore name reveal to Credence. He gets a wand and he blows up a mountainside. Yeah. And and, and I like, didn't oh, care. Shit. Like it didn't okay. like it was cool, but it did not make me go like, oh man, I can't wait for three. But uh but it's at least kind of coming off a oh okay, we gotta keep an eye out for that. Like there was something there. Yes. Dumbledore just walking down the street at nighttime in Brooklyn. Well in Queens, I guess. Um yeah, I've I have no idea what if, so, if they're intending that to be, you know, not the absolute end, I, I have no idea what to even conceive that could be coming next. And and that's another point is like this movie could have been the end of the series. Yeah. Have the fight that we know happens between Dumbledore and Grindelwald happen mm. at the end of this movie right there. Just change the setting to where they say it happened. I'm not going to get into spoilers, mm. but to where they say it happens in the books have the fight happen, have that end, have the wedding, have Dumbledore walk off, credits done, this series is over. And it I feel like it reached a conclusion right there. All right, well, there. let's start talking about what what could have happened. <laughs> yeah, what I do know, we I'm have sorry, here no, that we need just, to talk about? What we already have. I'm good on what we have. I, you know, I have a lot did of what-ifs, so, but... Did anybody else think that at one point the, the magical creature that decides who is good of heart was going to kneel at Jacob? Yes, I thought they were setting that, that up to be yes. the end of the movie. So amazing! I absolutely did think that. Not, I did not. So it is. So Dumbledore, spoilers. <laughs> effectively, he does become the head 
of the International Confederation at some point in the future. Okay. Um, he is talked about, it's mentioned many times that he was asked to be the British Minister of Magic basically every time the job came up and he always turns it down. Right. Um, but so I, and because of all that, I did not think, I, I did not think given what he still has to do over the next couple of years that he was going to be, even once it, it knelt in front of him in this, that, oh, this is the moment that we see him ascend. Yeah. I didn't think that was going to be it at all, but I, yes, I absolutely thought it was going for Jacob and that would have been holy shit out of a left turn. That would have been. Incredible. I thought they were laying the breadcrumbs for that early on in the middle of the movie when he's giving it food and it's jumping around him and stuff like that. And oh, like it's sensing yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. And when he's laying on the ground after just being tortured by Grindelwald, I thought that was going to be the biggest fuck you to him is that the thing's going to choose Jacob over yeah. him. That would have been so good. So they, All right. So there's my ending for the better, yes. the better ending for the movie. That's what I would <laughs> yeah, have chosen. I'm with you. Um, some positives that I did like. Um, I, I, I said it again, like I liked uh professor hicks i liked a lot of her magic i liked a lot of the creativity of like how she used books of all things for like so many different things for defense for confusion for port keys for um i i I thought that that was really cool i dug that yeah I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to uh one one thing i would say is you know josh just said port keys the book port key in this was fucking cool. That was some really cool effects that they used for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, just in general, I enjoyed that effect that they used. It's not really a big statement of any kind, but I thought. Uh, what did you guys cool. think of the the recast for Grindelwald? Mad Mads Mikkelsen, yay nay. You know, I genuinely can say I didn't buy Johnny Depp as Grindelwald in the first place. It did. He okay. did not work. Like I l- fucking think he's a fantastic actor but i don't think in that sense he was pulling off the evil as well um and i feel like mads mickelson is just the typecast of that character yeah that it was a no-brainer choice i don't think he's doing a bad job i think it was very i think phoned in is the wrong term um predictable that's a good I, word. I, yeah. I, don't, I think I'd, I'd agree with that, too. I don't yeah. think he had as much to achieve. Like, what Johnny Depp had, the weight on his shoulders and the scenes that were written for him were way more challenging than what was written for Mads Mikkelsen. There wasn't really Agreed. much for, like, a manipulative authoritarian or, like, just wannabe dark wizard emperor. Like, there really wasn't much that he had to do in that regard he just basically had to be a guy yeah yeah so he didn't do it badly it just that's all that was asked of him i still would have wished that colin farrell just kept that role like i'd be fine i think i'd really <laughs> want to see what he would do with that i think that'd be cool yeah, um i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that the character who he was in being impersonated by i'm pretty sure he died a long time ago yeah 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 <laughs> uh i know we said we'd come back to it we kind of dabbled around it but the the numbers for the box office the dwindling returns for these movies do we expect just on the record for them to make four and five or do we see some drastic changes coming over the next couple of movies are they going to do them at all or are they going to shift into something else uh, budget's going to get cut what do you what are you thinking 
I personally hope what I said at the outset happens and that they take whatever four and five are going to be, truncate it into one movie, make it a four movie series and call it a day. Yeah. Um, these are not going to perform well because it's a, in my opinion, poorly planned out series. I agree. And do you think they have a plan or are they making this up as they go? I don't know. But that's the same reason that the Star Wars sequel trilogy had so many damn problems is you get yeah. to that third movie and they have to find an end and they're like, what the fuck do we do? Oh, they're fighting, uh, Palpatine. Where, we don't know how to write it. Let's get it from the internet. Yeah. So. I would not be shocked to learn that if you said, okay, JK, what are like the five major steps? What are the five major things that have to be achieved in each of these? And did she have that? And yeah. okay, well, and, and, and like, and in each of them, here's like a general reference of kind of what's going on to get there. But the real minutia of each of the individual stories so far, probably that's what's getting filled in as they go. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. and and that is the part, you know, that's the gel between them all that is not working as well as it needed to so josh what do you think they're going to do going forward do you think they're going to make some changes these next two just kind of go with the flow and say well we've committed this is it i i i hope they don't cancel it i i hope like if you ask me what i think they will do yeah i think there's as much unfortunately i think there's as much of a chance of them stopping as there is of doing one more and cutting it there i do not think they're going to make two more. Okay. I agree. I don't, I, maybe I'll be the, the hopeful one here. I do think we're going to get two more movies. Oh, I'm hopeful, but I, do, but I don't, my, my realistic side of my head is not. Uh, see, I, I, I'm going to say they, they are going to give us two more movies. What I think they're going to do is cut the budget in half. I could see them trying to do it hundred, hundred, hundred and fifty million. But I don't know what your, what story are you going to tell that, is very effects heavy that is very time period recreation heavy that you then fall on costumes and design and sets all right well then let me put it this way either that you can achieve that they, and still make it a spectacle either they get well i mean don't go around everywhere like right chain like stick to one location or a few locations don't world hop like they keep trying to do in all these movies mm-hmm which I understand is part of the fantastical world, but like just have a couple really big set pieces and call it a day. Um, but the other option, you know, sort of like you guys are saying too, I'd, I'd be fine with that too. They truncate it into one movie and give it the 200 or $250 million budget and say, yeah. just put everything we have, throw everything in the kitchen sink at this one movie and just make it great and, and hope the, that that's enough to bring well, people back around. The, and, and make the, the title very clear that this is the end. Whatever yes. the title is, you got to let people know this is this is it, so that it can make its money back. Yeah, because the like, end will draw people in, just because yeah. that's the end. Yeah, something something to that degree. Because what if if you know that the third act, or so, say most of the second and into the third act of movie five, is Dumbledore beats Grindelwald. Spoilers, man. Whoa. <laughs> what do you do? For all of movie four, yeah, what what is what is the possible important step you take, surrounded by eighty percent of stuff that doesn't matter, and then what is the next part like the, what is the other half of movie five? That's what I worry about. 
Why not? We talked about how like Crimes of Grindelwald was just felt like a setup movie. I think this movie also feels like a setup movie. So does that mean four is also going to be a setup movie for just the finale? Well, of course like, it is, because it, how else could it be anything else? Because we know how this ends. And this is what yeah. I was saying the whole time. We know yeah. how it and fucking ends. That's, if you so these are to, all setup movies. I'm, I'm not good enough to do it. So this is not me saying, you know, it's just so easy. But I think there was a different way. If, if you wanted to tell, even in four movies, really, the progression of the rise of an authoritarian um, and depending on like what pinnacle, because we've never really gotten a lot of detail on like just how powerful and in charge or sweeping that Grindelwald, you know, as a presence Grindelwald became, we weren't really we given a clear picture of that. Like they, like they S- say significant in the books, enough like, that he, well, that he was a threat. Well, they, well, they they say in the books like only Voldemort was more powerful and influential than Vo- Be- like Grindelwald became more right. So yeah, like he's he at became, least he's at more least, than Grindelwald. He's at least a violent, harmful threat as to what flavor that took on, to what scale, how, what institutions he threatened and were, you know, was, was challenging. That's all the stuff they could have filled in. If that is the overall place you wanted to go, I think there was a much different path you could have taken to say, we're going to make four to five movies. It's broken up over 20 years. What... Where are the check-in points with an authoritarian's rise to that to that place? Um, these are not the places that I I, I would have thought you go. Yeah. I think I think Crimes of Grindelwald. You kind of get there with the second half of the movie as he's building the argument to the masses. Yeah, but this this is not where I think you go. And if and, and it, like knowing knowing where the ultimate. Uh, finale goes I don't know what else you do in between now well and typically they they, you know they could have set up a fourth movie a lot better and perhaps this was maybe something they did in response to not feeling great about the future of it because you set up the fourth movie by ending this one with Grindelwald in power and how they topple his regime would be much more interesting um, I think than just refuting his claim as soon as he made it. So and, and so now the the worry from all of them was that this election will legitimize him and his feelings and his thoughts. Well, you've kind of already done like there's been enough people who even before the fake dead chillin chose him were on board with his message. All this does is drive him back underground this this takes him out of the public sphere of being someone who can have a legitimate place at the table to make the argument so now it all has to be by clandestine manipulation and force it's gonna be like a a mirror image of of what two was and basically his slowly rise trying to get an army together get a following and then use that following as the army that fights double door come the fifth movie. I would think so. That's just depressing that they're just going to rehash their own thing again. Like it, but, but I agree. And that's why I but, say but, like, but, and that's they let after, him take power here, but after, and maybe, but like after this, he doesn't necessarily have to, you don't have to redo movie two because he's now been given a platform enough where, I mean, there's think about real world parallels. All people are going to do 
they've heard, they've heard his message. They know what he's about. He's no longer hiding in the shadows. There's going to be a certain population like, okay, well, number one, I either don't believe that whole thing with the dead chillin' was true. You know, my, not my president. That guy was really who I chose. Yeah. Um, or just who buy into what he was selling anyway. You don't need to go through the recruitment phase anymore. Right. There's enough people that has been shown to agree with his sentiment, which is very much in the open anymore. He doesn't. Right. It's it's not it's not the fake story he was selling to Queenie, or yeah. the different angles he was taking to people in that arena in in the second movie. People know exactly what he's about now, so you can very much just skip to he has his following. Yeah. They are there, and they are forced to be reckoned with. But any additional a, step between here and there, I don't think you need it. So do you think they, they it, just if Warner Brothers gets gun-shy with movies, do you think they'd pivot any of this stuff to HBO Max? Could we get movies that end up there and not in the theater? I doubt it because you don't have... You're, unless you only spend $60 million on a movie, maybe. If you, want a, if you put a big budget in, number one, you're going to recoup your money faster and in a, in a more measurable way. With a theatrical release. Yeah. So, no, I, at least in this series, if I, I've been saying it for years, I want them to take expanded universe shit and make the hell out of it for HBO Max. Give me a limited series on the Marauders as teenagers. Give me a limited series on the other wizarding schools. Um, I know we're going long, but I'm going to give you this really quick because it does tie into something we mentioned. But hear me out. So we talked about Jacob's Wand. Never heard about this before. It's called a snakewood wand, just the type yeah. of tree it's made from. I just tried as we were talking to do a little bit of deep dive on it because I didn't get a chance to ahead of time. So it turns out, and this is really cool shit, and I think I brought this up in a prior discussion at somewhere like, hey, here's expanded universe stuff you could make. Um, Salazar Slytherin, one of the founders of Hogwarts and descendant of Voldemort, he made his own wand out of the same stuff out of snake wood and Jacob's wand is very explicitly said by Newt. It doesn't have a core. So basically it doesn't in and of itself have the ability to be a magical conduit. Salazar Slytherin put a basilisk horn in his own wand and that's what he made it. So the Harry Potter stories told us that one of the descending families from Slytherin is a family called the Gaunts. The Gaunts is where Voldemort's mother came from. Um, somebody in the Gaunt lineage in the 1600s stole Slytherin's wand from her family and fled to America on the Mayflower with the pilgrims. And that person is involved in the founding of the American Wizarding School. To me, that is really cool shit. <laughs> you could make, a, you could make a one season limited series about that story. Yeah, and then parlay that into like, okay, here's Ilvermorny Year One. Like, there's so much that they could do. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't like. I did not want this to be a Sony Spider-Man Venom situation where like I'm hoping that this thing fails in order to get something else. Yeah. Um, I wanted this to succeed and be amazing. And uh, my, my, my subjective feeling is that it has stumbled and has not 
delivered, unfortunately. Yeah. And and it's and it's suffering because of that. Because even if it if it if they all do well, I mean, you're going to get more Harry Potter stuff out of that because it's still going to look marketable and they can still sell it. And right. it's, you're going to get more spinoffs and more. I don't know about movies, but I could definitely see them doing some like you're suggesting, maybe some series for HBO Max. Because yes. at the time, you know, they greenlit five movies. HBO Max was not a thing. Nobody really trusted streaming services other than Netflix, Netflix to do yeah, something. Like now everybody Amazon has Prime their own. wasn't even really a player right. to that degree right. in 2015, 2016. So in that time, everybody now has their own owned streaming services where they just put out their stuff. It saves money if they do it themselves and put it out on their own platform. So mm-hmm. there's a better chance to get other side content under Warner Brothers' owned services, which in this case is HBO Max. So yes. whether or not that happens after the Fantastic Beasts run is done or if they decide to to try their luck before some of those movies come out to just say, Hey, let's see what the audience is for that kind of stuff on HBO max and put something out and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. That could be a possibility too. We'll have to see. Exactly. I'll give you the best answer to all of it. And this is really simple. I believe it's Disney plus is going to be putting out the Percy Jackson series of, uh, the, you know, the television show from the books. Yeah. Uh, it kind of fills the niche that Harry Potter was, fitting with you know the teens and all that learning about all this stuff and and i think it may might if it's done right take that spot because that series is interesting enough and there's enough canon and lore out there i think they're at like 16 books in that series at this point really holy shit yeah they went from like the greek gods to the roman gods and i think now they're on the norse gods like they just keep Going from different sets of gods. Um, and they cast a young kid, so they could make this for years and years and years. Exactly. And I think, you know, like, this is one of the things that I think made Harry Potter much better than what we're seeing here in general, is the perspective of this world from Harry's perspective versus from Newt's perspective, where Harry was learning all of this with us. Mm, and fair. Newt is not. We're not learning anything with Newt. We're just watching it. Yeah. So I think that's another big part that maybe might help this Percy Jackson series make a big splash if it's done right. Again, it's got to be done right. Because yeah. those first two movies they did are going to still leave a sour taste in a lot of folks' mouth. But I think going forward, I think that niche might be filled by that. I hope it is, because I love those books. Yeah. Um. Anything to wrap up with, or we'll get to ratings and close it down? Let's do it. Because we're looking at about two hours here, I think. I enjoyed some of the musical themes that came back. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you, you had some display pieces, I think, for us. Do you want to get into those or no? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, then out of ten, what do we what do we want to give it? Do you guys need a minute to come up with it? You got it in the bag? You ready? Mike, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, I... I we actually discussed before the show, Josh told me that I had given uh, Crimes of Grindelwald a 6.5. Uh, and I had given it the option to plus or minus 2, depending, or 2 or 2.5. Wh- whatever. 2.5. Yeah. 2.5. I given a plus or minus 2.5 on Crimes of Grindelwald based on future content. I still need more future content that's really <laughs> going to make it matter. If that is going to be a plus 2.5, it's looking more like a minus 1 or so on Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, in the long term, um, but given that I gave it a six point five, and I like the, I think this was a better movie all around. I think this was a step up 
from that, but it's a it's a baby step. So we're at a seven. Oh, okay. So you're keeping pretty high, I think, compared to what what I feel like you were saying about the movie. Well, again, I I, I liked it better than I like Crimes of Grindelwald, and it is still a Wizarding World movie. You know, like I, I think I still gave Rise of Skywalker about the same, didn't I? I, I don't remember I off, specifically. I, don't the, I gotta start just having a sp- like we did with the rewind. I gotta start compiling a spreadsheet of what we rate every movie we talk about, <laughs> just to be able to consult it. Because I feel like we try to come back to it, and I don't have those numbers off the top of my head. I, I guess for me, I guess the point I'm making is that even like a bad Star Wars or Harry Potter movie still hits my wheelhouse pretty well. I may be okay. frustrated more with it, but that's just because I love the lore and all of it so much that I want it to be better than it is. Yeah. But I'm not going to say it's just straight garbage. It was still something I'm going to watch several times. It's just yeah. not what I hoped it would have been. Fair enough. Josh, where are you at at 10? Um, it gives me absolutely no pleasure to at this point give this a five okay oh, so you're below crimes of grindelwald on this uh didn't yeah. you say you were a 6.5 as well you were in the same spot as i was so about there, okay yeah um yeah josh gave us our ratings i i gave uh fantastic beast ones 8.5 i gave fantastic beast 2 4.5 i kind of wish i would have watched at least Crimes of Grindelwald again, because I know I did not like that one. And I'm kind of, I actually kind of thought off the top of my head, I probably would have given it a lower rating than a 4.5. I'm surprised it came in that kind of high, I guess for me, because I don't remember a lot of like redeeming factors from that movie. And maybe just because I just remember all the bad stuff, but in this one, I don't know coming out of it. I still feel like I don't like it a lot. Like my gut reaction is to give it like a 3.5, but I don't know if it's any better or like I can't decide if it's better or worse than Crimes of Grindelwald for me without having watched Crimes of, Crimes of Grindelwald again. Like I don't know where I really want to fall, but I I felt like maybe the pacing was not great in this one. Like I kind of just felt bored most of the time. I came out of it feeling like nothing happened. I feel like I was confused and lost for most of the beginning of the movie as to what was going on and why. It just took a lot of time for me to get my footing. I think here which I don't think I felt that way watching Crimes of Grindelwald. So I think I'm going to come in lower than Crimes of Grindelwald with this one. So I'm going to I'm going to go 3.5. That's a 5.16 average. <laughs> I don't know if that's wait, 5.16. That puts us right with the damn critics, doesn't it? <laughs> See? Uh yeah, uh where was it? Uh Secrets of Dumbledore Critic was 47, audience 84. Well, the audience is way off, but wasn't like the Metacritic right in that same Metascore 47, user score 6.3. Yeah, so we're right in those ranges. So yeah, we're 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 you know comparable to the internet, whether that's good or bad. That's where we're at. It's a real representation of everybody's opinion. <laughs> um, all right, I guess that is it for Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, we. I get, I don't like to tease a lot of stuff for next time because I you know everything's subject to change. But there's a there's a chance we could be doing some Star Wars related stuff because I think the next episode we will probably try to record at least uh, during May the fourth or somewhere around that week. So we will probably be trying to do a Star Wars themed episode for that. Uh, we've talked about doing it live. Uh, we will discuss that and figure that out for sure. Whether we do that on Twitch or I don't know. I was t- I was tossing around the idea. We, we were 
talking about recording it a couple weeks ago, and if we did it early enough, I was just going to record the whole video thing because I think the the concept works better uh, seeing us record for this one. So I thought about putting up the video on YouTube or something like that, but uh, if we do it live, it's going to be on Twitch. So if we if we end up doing it live, it will most likely be on May the 4th, um, but we will check dates and availabilities and schedules and all that stuff. And if we decide to do it on Twitch and stuff like that, I will I will keep everybody posted and, and post on Twitter and Facebook. So follow our socials for all that stuff and keep up to date. So as far as the socials are concerned, if you want to follow us on Facebook, search Guy and the Super Friends or go to Facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. We can all see that. We'll all respond. Uh, feel free to email brightguysuperfriends at gmail.com. It is legit. It works. I don't ever really check it every every five months probably. So if you send us an email, don't I won't respond for a while. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at bgsuperfriends. That we will see that I can respond to. Uh, again, if we decide to do live, it will be on my Twitch channel. That is Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, and if we ever decide to do any other live recordings through Twitch, we will do it there. Um, like I said, maybe next week I'll keep you posted. Uh, in the meantime, if you ever want to watch me play some video games, occasionally I stream stuff. So I will also do that there too. Uh, and that's it for us on behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time.